0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the gate 7 international podcast i'm your host adi and we have a surprise appearance from one of our bloggers steve goduru steve how are you doing today
1: well you know man i'm good i'm off the bench i'm here to do nothing and then score a header so just like like (laughs) hassan where before hassan left on loan
0: uh happy to have you here man happy to have you here Uh, guys if you haven't done it already uh, please make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done it like I said just give us a like give us a subscribe the community continues to grow we are trying to do really big things and it is really important we get the community together especially for some of these big European games coming up we really want to have the Libyakos community strong going into this game against Fenerbahce Uh, but before we go forward Uh, Just a couple of quick housekeeping items. As always, guys, a HEPA season is upon us. It's the fall. This is when a HEPA gets rolling with things. Scholarship opportunities for kids or scholarship opportunities for anyone about to go into college or even grad school. So think about joining a HEPA if you are a parent and you want these opportunities for your kids as well. Do the same. Check out a HEPA. Join and see what you can do to help the motherland. Uh, lastly, we want to thank our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International is your one-stop shop for all of your international trans-shipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil, packages, cars, or relocating completely, Piraeus International is here to help. Freight forwarding services available to almost any port around the world. Please contact our friends at 410-675-4696 or email at sales at piraeusintl.com. All right, not really any news to get into, so let's just ju- dive in real quick to the post-match. Uh, Stephen, when you saw the lineup come out this morning, what was your what was your initial thoughts?
1: My my first initial thoughts were that I'm really glad that Pedro and Martin seem to finally be settling on a formation. You know, because there's been so much jumping about over the last few weeks as to what he's going to use and. I think for the league, especially against a team like Asteras, no disrespect to Asteras, we should be playing 4-3-1. We should be taking the game to them, and that's what I saw for the most part in the first half. Um so, yes, I, I was happy the- with the actual formation, lineup-wise as well. There wasn't really anything me really that stuck out, and I-, I thought, oh, that's not really what I wanted to see. Um, so, yeah, I-, I was I was fairly pleased with what I saw, to be honest. Addy, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, um, when I saw the lineup, the the one caveat I'll say is uh, I saw Bukharlaki starting again. And that worried me a little bit for a couple of reasons. We had brought up uh, after the apollon Larissa game, and I brought it up in one of the post-match blogs that I did, that he has just played an absurd number of minutes. Uh, over 300 in, before this game, of course, leading into the Apollon game. Uh, it was 300 minutes in like 10 days, which is crazy. Crazy the amount of game time he's had. And if you're not counting the Olympiacos games, you know, also the Ethniki. He was playing a lot for the Ethniki Omada, which is a lot to put his body through. And then he played again today, almost the full 90. And you have to wonder sometimes. Like there's always one player, it seems like that Martins just runs into the ground. One or yeah. two, Valbuena in the past. Now Buka I uh, It's it, it, now maybe he's playing him because he's not planning on starting him in the European game. But I don't know. I feel like Buka Lakis has to be starting. What do you think?
1: I I think you're right. And you know what? From from what you just said, I I do agree with you. Like I, he didn't even get substituted off, did he? I, I don't think at all. He played the full 19 and, and may, maybe it's to take the pressure off of Jan Invia who's still um, coming back from that injury he had a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that might be why, because did come on late later in the game, but yeah, I mean, unless he's not planning on playing four, three, three, or he's going to play Kunde uh, as one of the midfield three, when we play Fenerbahce in, on Thursday, I look might start again. And, you know, he's got great energy he he runs a lot uh, um, but how much more energy can he give when he's been playing so consistently over the last few weeks um so that's that is that is a big concern for us you know is he going to be 100% for for thursday who knows if if and also if if he, if he thinks that he is when he might not be and martins gives him the get go you know it's going to be difficult we've seen like this. Drop in these European games after he's played after for for a period of time, and it's shown in his performances um, previously in Europe. So we'll see. Does he trust Kunde to start over him? I'm not sure.
0: Well, that's the question, right? So uh, there were a lot of what I'll call angry reactions following the uh, the starting lineup, and because people were just they couldn't believe that after the performances we had from Kunde that he wasn't starting now again i am going to believe choose to believe that it's because martins did not want to run Kunde into the ground maybe and he is going to be starting in europe but i am still very deeply worried and concerned that what we're going to see is Bukhaliy's play again. He's going to start again in that Fenerbahce game. I don't know why. I just can't shake this feeling, and I am a little bit. I'm a little concerned about it uh, because he cap. He was captain again today, and I just he feels like he's getting undroppable at this point. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll touch on that more later as maybe we look towards the Fenerbahce game. But aside from that, I was happy with the rest of the starting lineup. Obviously, Karbovnik playing on the right, uh, mm-hmm. leaving people concerned about what's going on with that right side, what's going on with Lala, uh, sokratis uh as the center-back pairing. Uh, and then going forward, it was obviously going to be Masuras and uh, Baby Kamara getting another start with Tiquinho mm-hmm. again and Onyakuru flanking on the left. So the game started off pretty well. I mean, we got the, the goal decently early. So, and then it was followed very closely by, we have to say, quite a, a lucky shot by Baby Kamara. That was the most uh, FIFA goal
1: I've ever seen. It just went right <laughs> through the keeper. And then a, <laughs> and then a player tried to, the player trying to get it out of the goal when it was too late, honestly. A bit of luck, but it was coming, you know. We, that, that's what happens when you actually apply pressure to the opposing yes. team, you know. And it, a huge mistake from the keeper, but... Uh, You know, I I wasn't surprised that we we doubled our lead. And, you know, there was was that bit of worry when they equalized as well, because I thought, oh, no, like, I hope we don't drop after this. But obviously it was it was close, but rightfully called off for offside, in my opinion. Yeah, are,
0: no, I, it was, it was, it was, it was offsides. It was, I mean, you yeah. saw the bars. It actually was quite some space too. I mean, it, it looked closer when you saw it happen, but then when they did the, the VAR breakdown, there was actually quite some space. So they got the right call on that, but you're, uh, you hit on a point that we bring up a lot, which is about the, the, the follow through or the, the crashing of the goalkeeper Uh Tequino has brought that in spades. I mean, he is relentless. He follows the ball wherever it goes, and Masuras was always one that followed that up as well. So, if Tiquinho hadn't followed through, right? He wasn't following through in the box ahead of uh, Masuras's shot, or ahead of Masuras receiving the ball from Ma- from Madi on the cross for the first goal. That goal doesn't happen. It doesn't, and yeah, it was I'm- it was that effort was rewarded, and you love to see that.
1: Oh yeah for sure. I I love that we have Masuras back. It just showed, I know you guys touched on it last week but I'm going to say it again. It showed how much we missed him the last few weeks where he wasn't mm-hmm. present and now he's just he's creating stuff. He's so much more positive. His work ethic is there like back again. It, we needed that so badly for, um, and it's great to have him back. And, and Takino, like we all knew I think we all knew that Takino would be great. Like obviously it's still very early on in the season but we were, I think the the only debate with Tikino was whether he could play as a as a lone forward, and he's showing that. He's showing that yep. he can play up front by himself, and and it's good contest for El Arabi as well, but who, you know, has had a bit of a mixed start to the season, which obviously he he had last season as well. But now there's actual competition because everyone knew w- when it was. Al arabi and hassan there was not really going to be any contention as to who starts there you know, it was always going to be el arabi over hassan unless he's el arabi was injured but now you're you know K- is really like pushing for for the first team striker role with these last two performances
0: no he really is and i think in in our we'll say in our bubble uh none of us were concerned about Tequino. I mean, yes. most of us, I think, agreed, but again, between between our, our group here, we'll we'll call it our podcast blogger group. No one was really worried about Tequino. Uh, I did see that there were some people concerned. I mean, the, the level we saw him playing at, I understood the fitness concerns, but we knew. I mean, this guy is looks like just a man playing with playing against boys. I mean, his sheer physical overpowering nature is crazy. You can't get this guy off the ball. It's it's wonderful to see. He is he's got this like animal like hunger for the ball. And you love to see it. His shot placement's incredible. Uh we we talked about it in the last game against uh Apollon. I mean he actually placing shots or placing balls. Like there is intent he has intent. Unlike what, you know, not to, not to disparage Hassan because Hassan did great work for us, but especially not while I'm on (laughs) (laughs) there, but you got, but what frustrated is Hassan would just, his goal was clearly just to make contact. And you could see because Hassan could get unlimited number of opportunities. And there were games where he just never, nothing happened unless the goalie was off balance or what have you. Tequino not only makes contact, but there is intent. There is intent with his shots. Uh, We would never have landed Tequino if Martins hadn't coached him before. That's clear. And he is definitely capable of being a lone striker. He showed that two games in a row.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And and also, you know, I guess this is also very early doors talk, but he's the heir to El Arabi, in my opinion. And and get him at 30. Like 30 for the Super League is a great age because he's still – he doesn't entirely rely on pace. He, he it's just about his technique on the ball and his and his strike. And he's not going to lose that, even if he even if we have him for what like two three years or whatever, you know. And and you know maybe longer term for Europe against higher caliber opposition, he's going to be important because he's a he's a high caliber player.
0: Yeah, Europe, absolutely right. And El is actually testament to everything that you said. Now, El yeah. is probably a little bit more technical on the ball than Tiquinho is, but for the sure. point stands. El was never the fastest person around. He's he's quite physical, but I wouldn't even say he's the most physical person around either. And yet he's gone two seasons in a row with 20 plus goals. So how can you how can you argue with those results? Now, going forward, you know, we have two great options and it's gonna be great competition. I I I'm hoping that Martins is kind of settling in here with the the 4-2, the four-two-three-one, 3 one But there are still transitions in game to the 4-4-2. And we saw that today. Now, I wanted your take on another, um, we'll say, a tactical change that Martins made. So we saw about, it was after, I think, the second goal. Martins made a switch. He took uh, Baby Kamara out of the 10-roll and swapped him with Masuras. Then, baby Kamara was playing out on the wing, and Masuras was playing. We'll say the ten, but really, he was playing as a second striker with his movement and the way the shape was on the field. What was your take on that? How did you feel about that?
1: It's a weird one because we've never played with a proper, as far to my knowledge, we've never played with more like a, a false nine behind the four, like the striker, more like a four one four four one one formation. That's, that's something I haven't seen before, and I think, I mean. It didn't kill our attack, per se, but but I don't think that is Masouras' natural position. Sure, M- Masouras has played as a number nine before, but on a very rare occasion. And that's when he's been the main man up top. Can he do that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess these are the games where you want to try and test stuff. And that's that's where you can make them spakes, uh, mistakes, especially when you're already two goals up. And I'm not going to lie, Asteras didn't really really challenge get us in attack other than the goal that was ruled out for offside so i guess it's okay to try stuff like that in these in these kind of fixtures when you're when you have a comfortable lead but i i didn't think it was great um and personally i, I just think the fact that martins over the last couple of weeks like i said earlier has simplified what he's been trying to do and has just gone back to the basics and we look so much better doing the basics I think you should just try stick to that um you know 3 one three3. Maybe a, still a place for three four three against bigger clubs in Europe, but we're unlikely to face them at this stage in, in the Europa League if we progress further, or if we go to the Conference League um, as a consolation. So, I think that with Martins, he just needs to keep it simple. And if he wants to try the 4, four one, one, the four, four, one, one I hope he doesn't do it against Federbache, because just keep Masuras on the wide, man. Like, Don't play. Just play Akibo at the 10, because like, and play him as a 10. Don't play... Don't Jiggle about in big games in the future please just do it when we're done with the game we've won it already but don't please please don't do it against like a big club because that could be our undoing
0: yeah i we have actually seen masura's play as a 10 before on this team uh when we played against balk when we beat balk a few months ago one nothing mm-hmm. he scored the goal when he was playing in the 10 position uh he played as a 10 against asteras or sorry, not against us that as technically, I guess he was playing as like when we were doing the three, four, three as an attacking mid against yeah. Arsenal. Uh, But I'm not, I'm he- not a huge fan of it either. Uh There's a comment here. Masuras is ideal as a second striker, honestly, with his work ethic and the mold of player that he has become, he's valuable pretty almost anywhere you put him. Uh But when, when you're looking for a 10, when you're looking for that engine of your offense or somebody that's going to help you create those opportunities, he's not a Fortunes, right? He's not, he's not the person that's going to be looking those lanes open. He's more of the guy with the end product now. He's the effort, the crossing, uh, the guy getting shots on target. That's what he's good at. That's what he's valuable as. There's value there as a second striker, but I don't see the value as a number 10. Uh, but that's my personal take on the whole thing
1: but also i think with the players at our disposal i think we're still not quite ready to have that formation a- as a team because we don't have the creativity out wide to supplement the fact that we then have a lack of creativity in the where there would be a number 10 where there's now a, a false nine or and then you would need your scent your central midfields like Camara who creates but not to that extent you need you need more creative output from him you need the the fullbacks are then supplement with creativity, and that's still a bit of a hodgepodge right now. So it can, it's possible, but then the rest of the team need to sort of compensate for that if we are it, to try that more consistently.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then it also doesn't help when one of your wingers is not really giving you the output or the service that you expected. Uh, Henry Onyekuru had a disappointing match for me. Now, I will say this. Uh, he did track back well today, so I'll, I'm going to give him that. He tracked back well. He won the ball back a few times, um, especially when he lost it a couple times as well. I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that, but uh, i am it's been a couple games in a row now. I'm getting quite annoyed because the value I saw on him when I evaluated him uh, during one of the deep dives was getting him in stride, using his speed to beat players, and going on goal, but I... We've seen now uh, he did it against uh, Apollon Smyrni. He also did it today. We would catch him in stride, but it didn't look like he had the pace to beat them. Now, some of it was maybe the ball wasn't uh, played in in that perfect way. Uh, you know, sometimes also it was him dribble just dribbling back into pressure instead of using his speed to beat the pressure. Uh, maybe trying to dribble a little bit too much. Uh, the the one silver lining I'll say is that the manner in which our players, the Olympiacos players, kept looking to send him long, me it, that to me indicates that in training, there's something there. Because Cissé even did it a couple times. He would get the ball, look, he looked at Onyekuru and tried to send the ball forward to Onyekuru on, you know, on the run. So there were players that looked to see where he was running. And that makes me think that at least in training, it's, it's dangerous, and people are looking to send him. So maybe it just hasn't quite worked out yet. I also saw there was some frustration, some of the body language between Onyakuru, Masuras, and Tekinio. Uh There were a couple breaks where it looked like uh, Onyakuru, especially in this, uh, I think it was early in the second half, when Onyakuru was on the break on the other side. He was on his left-hand side still, but uh, on the other side of the field. And he was running forward, and both Masuras and uh, Tekinio were Yelling at him, he kind of oversteps, over dribbles, doesn't play the ball into them, and they got really upset with him. So that um I, th- I think that will work itself out. I'm still willing to give uh, Onyekuru more time, but so far I don't see a player that we should have spent nearly as much money as we did on him.
1: No, I think I think we can all agree that the fee was too much. You know, we, we could yeah. buy a cut like two players who would probably better fit for cheaper than like the, with the total like, accumulated price that we support for Henry on the career than we would have. But it's, he frustrates me because he shows flashes of his talent and then he'll just do like, and, but then the other, like, so 20% of the time I see, oh yeah, like great link up play. Like I love his passing. He, he looks like he's, his fast passing is really, I, re, I really like he gets into the right positions, but then the other 80% of the time he just isn't, in the game. And it just, it really annoys me because he could be doing so much more. And, and like you've said before, Ari, maybe it's because of the, the team we're playing against. Maybe it's because he's better as a, as the kind of player that can pull players out. If, if we're on the defensive and then we counter um, and maybe we'll see that, maybe we'll see that against Fenerbahce, who apparently he had a good goal, rec- uh, goal scoring record against, but it's, and and also we have to um, we, i think some people do have to understand this is the second time all three of these players have played with each other in a team you know Takinio Masuras and Onyekuru so there's i i'm i'm willing into time, but then I was also one of the few who was willing to give Kenny Lala time and that's that's sort of going <laughs> going really really south so we'll see i mean uh, he's a frust I, I don't think I'm upset as in like I don't think he's worth being in the team i don't think he's not good enough to be in the team it's just he frustrates me because he's showing it in very very small glimpses but it's not enough to justify a lot of his price or his kind of being on the pitch currently uh we'll see what it's still very early but i yeah
0: i i agree with you there but I, know, I think that really a good test for Onyekuru is going to be in this game against Fenerbahce, you know, a team that's not going to be packing the bus on us, a team that's going to be playing us quite openly, I expect. So uh, that's, that's – I think we're going to see better from him there because I guarantee you, aside maybe from a couple of the derbies, all of these teams are going to be playing behind the ball against us. Henry Onyokuru is not going to be able to find that space behind the players that he likes. Uh, I actually thought his, when it came to his interplay today, I haven't ra- rated his interplay at all uh, because I think his touches can can be quite heavy. But today I thought it was pretty good. He actually mm. was able to pass the ball back and forth quite well. Uh, it was more like what he was doing in those positions where he's supposed to be dangerous. That's, yeah. where, my, that's where my issues were with him today. Uh, now, uh, on the in the middle, more the middle of the park, uh, baby camarà started the game off energetic as he always does. But you know the young players like him have this tendency to disappear from games or would not really be able to take complete or control or hold of a game, and that you know that comes with you know that they grow out of that as they get more experience. I'll develop that. Uh, but the, and the more we see a baby Camara, you know, the energy is fantastic, but I am from the, it's really early to be saying this by the way. So I'm just going to start off with that. Cause I don't want people to think I don't rate him as a 10. I don't know if he yet at this point, if he is capable of being the 10, this team needs, which is why we've seen Martins flex him out, or I should say, switch him onto the wing twice. Now this has happened twice where he's done this. So, Baby Kamada is a very interesting player, very talented, very energetic. Always offers us something when he comes onto the field. But uh, he, I, at this point, I don't think he's the ten that we need, and I don't know who is. Is Roni Lopez finally going to show us the player that we hoped for? Is he going to be played as a ten?
1: That's the question. Is Lopez going to be played as a ten? Is he going to come on and actually show us anything? Because as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm concerned, he's shown me less. And this, yes, might, I might be. He's shown me less than even Onyakuru has, mm-hmm. and that's like saying something because Onyakuru has been drips and drabs. Lopez has been less than that, but then le- I guess Lopez is, hasn't really had a proper start. He hasn't had a lot of a huge amount of time. I don't know what is how much time he's actually played in all competitions overall. I haven't checked that, but um, it's got to be, it's definitely less than Onyakuru has, yeah. Um, and uh, and with Aki like he's like you said, he's showing so much. So many good things at such a young age and i think like you said i'm less concerned about him hitting burnout in the 60th minute than someone like onyakuru because when onyakuru hits burnout in the 60th minute i'm like okay you're a professional you're a, like a prime age you shouldn't be doing that whereas agibu is like okay he's young and then the yeah. another thing with agibu is that or baby camera as, as peter loves to call him which i've started doing as well um he has such a big comparison to make for olibiago's fans because for us the comparison is Fortunis, who's is just levels like he's on when Fortunis is at at, the, at his peak he's levels above almost everyone else the, on on the pitch for for us and so that's a big kind of shoes to fill but he's doing it relatively well for now you know
0: Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. And uh, uh, I I guess a comment that agrees with you a little bit, Steven, uh, from Lex here. Baby Camara reminds me of Baby Yoda. At some point mid-season, we will realize he has a name. Yes, uh, we will. It's just, you know, when you have two Camaras on the team, you have to distinguish the senior and the junior. You know, it's uh, if we're being realistic, Marty probably leaves, whether it's in the winter or the summer, he's going to be gone. Uh, wow. And then Baby Kamara will be The Kamara, you know, and that will change. I think Baby Camara is catching on, though. Ever since we started putting it in all of our – some of our social media posts about him, people have been jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, uh, baby Kamara's Baby Kamara. Look, listen, when he finally is no longer a teenager, maybe we'll call him by his name. But uh, yeah, for, for now, not, he not. he still looks like a child. I mean, the kid looks like yeah, yeah. He, he looks, he looks like really young. He looks how
1: old? Really are you, like nineteen?
0: Like he's, he's nineteen? 90. Yeah, yeah. He looks way younger than that. He looks really young. Uh, it's and it's hysterical. Uh, and and on Baby Camara, there were some post match comments from Madi, um, uh, saying that yes, uh, like uh, them, you know yeah. he he had uh, teachers in Guillerme and in and, and now in Jan and Vila who have helped him. And helped him to help him develop, and he wants to be like that for Baby Kamara. So, I, I I like that, and I think that's very nice. Uh, I can't imagine right now a better role model for Baby Kamara to have than Mati, because Mati is a, has become a great player. We've had the privilege as fans of witnessing an elite player made. I mean, he came to us raw. We saw that there was something there and something, you know, that, that if it was worked on, if it was developed, this was really that diamond out of that coal or whatever it is they come out of that that you could really polish and make a wonderful gem. And Madi has become that. So I really think that, you know, hopefully, I'm hoping that could be the same if he keeps his head on straight. Uh, we'll get something great out of him. Uh, now, the midfield pairing, Stephen, this is, I guess, the uh, – mm. Second to last bit of the uh, the the overall analysis. How did you feel about the the Madibuka like he's pairing today?
1: It's it's always hard to judge against a team like Astellas, who you know, historic in the last season also have been one of the tougher teams, the best of the rest bunch. Whereas this season they've had a very poor start to the season, so it's always hard to assess. I don't think they were terrible today, like they. I thought they functioned fine. I wouldn't want to see that in a, against a, one of the bigger Greek sides like Balk, Bathy, or Aik Certainly, or Aris, like certainly not. But like, and especially not in Europe. There's there's no way that can fly in Europe. I mean, we saw that in Martin's first season that it wasn't that was not enough, especially because Guilherme was in and out of the squad, if I recall, um, in the first half, in the first part of uh, Martin's season. But um, yeah, that's I th- again. I think that was more just because Yan and Via wasn't fully fit. And also, he wants to save him properly for the Fenerbahce game where he will inevitably play. Um, yeah. Against against the smaller teams, it's not a, a big deal. If they can do what they did today, I'm not too bothered. But I don't want to see that as like the definite midfield two if we're playing 43 1. Because I don't think that gives you And I don't think. Bojalagis is great, great professional, great captain. Doesn't do what Jan Envia does, I don't think, to the extent that Envia can in that same position. Which is why if i was to if you were to pull my arm on it i would want to see maddie and jan and via as the midfield too not not um Bukhalakis and Camara. And i don't think
0: well i think uh our good friend costa here uh fellow co-host who couldn't be here today uh i will eat my shoes if martin's doesn't start Camara, Kamar- uh, Bukalakis and villa on thursday only Dadis and Vila don't want him to play with injection again. Yeah, this mm. is true. And this has been debated a lot. I've been seeing it on social media about uh, Jan Mvila and I'll
1: hold him to that. I'll remind him on Thursday. If they're not playing together, he's going oh, to have to Oh, he's got to yeah. eat
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Live stream. Live stream. Or, eating or, shoe.
1: He makes a shoe. He makes shoes that like cake that looks like shoes. And then I'll take that. Yeah, I'll yeah, take I'll, I'll take, take that. Um, I'll take that. You know what, though? I, I'm going to go back on a thing you said earlier. Ari, about the midfield two. Mm-hmm. and I know people are frustrated that like played today. But if I'm honest, I don't want to see Bo- I don't want to see Maddie and, and Kunde as a midfield two either because I think they do too much of the same thing, and then there's no real defensive stability, and we've seen that before in games where they have played together. Very rarely, I can't I think there was like one game they did it. I can't even remember if it was a friendly or not, but I didn't like that at all. I, I didn't think there was any sort of any sort of player that was dropping deep because they were getting in each other's way. So it, yep. in a midfield 3 it would work better, but I, that's another one I wouldn't I don't I think would be arguably a worse pairing for me because they just I don't think they fit well together.
0: Yeah, I think I mean, look, people Greeks especially, the Greeks in Greece love to to just pack on the hate for Laki sometimes. And in the first half, I thought he was uh, he was playing well. I mean, he finished the half with a 100% pass accuracy. He had a couple of great balls going forward, multiple interceptions, uh, a boatload of ball recoveries as well. The, he never gets recognized for that grunt work that he does. And his ball control, we have to be honest, is really good. He doesn't misplace balls a lot. He has a, a one of the higher pat, overall pass accuracies on the team uh, in just in general. And he's, he's very, he's very solid distributing the ball, switching the field. We saw a couple of those nice long balls and switches uh, today. And that was something we always praised and valued Guillerme for, but yet we don't give the same, we don't give that same, how should I say those same accolades to Bukalakis, but we give him Crap! Because once he'll he'll, uh, di- he'll 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 lose the ball once in a while. I mean, he's got uh, an overall pass accuracy to start the season of almost eighty eight percent, and last season it was about eighty eight percent as well. I mean, that's pretty good, guys. Near near ninety percent pass accuracy is pretty good if we're comparing midfielders. Uh, do you want it to be in the maybe in that low nineties? Okay, that's great, but I mean, we're talking about the level of player that we can actually obtain here. And Buchalakis, as a Greek player, does that does that well. Now he's not as dynamic, and he's not going to be a guy like Madi that can take players on and be a playmaker and do all of it. That's not him. But we have found the niche that Buchalakis is successful in, and it's working for us. And multiple coaches see it. That's why multiple coaches for Lubyakos and the Greek national team always stick with Buchalakis. It's one of those things. It, you know what I mean that's what he offers and it's valued very heavily by coaches. So now my only concern about this is because um, if he play I just don't want him to play because I, he's played so much and he looks tired sometimes uh, and and sometimes with the build the ball and buildup he just looks a little slow with the ball and buildup maybe that's fatigue or you know I mean he's always been a little slow in build up but I I don't want him to keep running into the ground super sub maybe, but I would much rather see, um, a, uh, maybe a midfield three, maybe a midfield three this week against Fenerbahce since our midfields are strongest point. Uh, if Envila can't play, well then you have to go Camara, Bukalakis, and Koundé if Envila can't play, but if Envila can play, I'd rather see maybe Camara and and Kunde to give Bukalakis a break. What do you think? I agree.
1: I think if it just with regards to giving Borja Lagis a break, I think it'd be more than deserved. I mean, he won't want to. He won't want to be benched. He won't want to rest against in such a big game. You know, this is a huge game. In unfortunately, this huge game also has ties to not football related subject uh, topics, but that's besides the point. But um, yeah, he, he'll want to play regardless. It would be great to see Kunde start because I think. It, a midfield three of, of those, of those three players would be so dynamic. It would be so cool to watch, you know, Maddy making the passes, Kunde running at people, Jan and Via doing what he does best. Um, and, you know, I think with with Lagos getting crap from, from Greeks in general, that's just such a Greek mentality thing for players. You see it all the time. Like, one bad game for Ethnigi or for their club, instantly they're a bad player. And that's just, it's such a negative mentality to have. Because that doesn't ha- That happens sometimes with, with foreign players too but they don't get as much slack in like after one game they'll maybe if they are bad for a long for a a more extended period of time then they're like okay this guy he doesn't he's not good enough for the club he has to go but with a greek player one bad game and that's they're like they're suddenly they can't play football anymore you know they yeah yeah i can play better than them or you know whatever
0: yeah exactly i i've I've never thought that the, that the hate that Bukalakis gets is fair, for, especially considering the job that, that he's done for this club. Um, obviously, I will continue to be, I thought Kunde should be rewarded for those appearances, but I'm going to sure. hold judgment on that until we see what happens on Thursday. If Kunde does not start on Thursday, then I'm going to be concerned as to why we are running Bukalakis into the ground. Uh, because it just doesn't make sense, and Kunde has been a rock star the last couple of games. He has looked incredible. Uh, I I posted a lot of the, the statistics and data related to Kunde's work in the previous two blogs that I did. Uh, the uh, one you know detailing that Kunde effect, what he does, what he offers when he's on the field, how our press changes, how it is improved when he's on there. Because the guy just looks like he can run all day. And he just runs on players all the time. And then you had De into the mix. Who's of a similar vein, who just is hungry for the ball and pressures everything. It does wonders, wonders, wonders for our game, for our press. Uh, and especially It's something in Greece. It's invaluable, especially against these smaller teams. Now against Fenerbahce. I think this team has to take a different approach because Fenerbahce is a better team than what we're used to playing. Uh, You could make the argument that they're better than most of the other teams in Greece, uh, including some of the big five. They have some players on there, uh, some very, very good players that some people might uh, remember. Uh, Maybe one that isn't as good as he used to be, but still should not be underestimated. A1 Mesut Ozil. Uh, Now, Steven. How, how do you think this is going to pan out? Do you think Ozil is going to be starting against us? He was on the bench for a couple of games for Fenerbahce. Uh, do you, what do you think? What do you think about that whole situation?
1: Well, it is interesting because they also have Belgas on their team yes. and Belgas yes, will want to play against us just as much as Ozil will want to play of against course. us as well. And they can't, and they both, they both uh, share the same position. So it's either one of them for me. And, I mean Ozil started his Europa League campaign well. He scored against uh, Frankfurt. So he may get the he may get the nod. I don't know whether he played uh this weekend for Fenerbahce. I don't I haven't checked that, but I, I think I think it will be Ozil to start because he's gonna want to he's played against us before. He knows Alibiagos uh from his time at Arsenal because we play them so often. Um so yeah, he he's gonna be up for it, I think, especially because it's Turkish clubs always get up for it when the big Greek clubs come to them. You know, they they really get fired up. They want they'll want to win this game, probably more than any other game this season. Maybe a bar a title decider between Galatasaray or or Besiktas. That's the only exception. They'll want it. They will want to beat us. Period. Yeah,
0: I, I believe that for both on, and, we'll say on and off the field yeah. issues. Uh, now Ozil did not play uh, their league game, okay. Um, so he he did not. But uh, I was I just went through quickly went through the the match sheet and I don't see Belkas on there either. Oh no, sorry. Actually, they both were subbed in the 86 minute. Okay. I, I do apologize. They both came on very late. Perhaps they were being saved for this for this European game. Um, but they've been it's very interesting because it looks like they're running the uh 343. Three. It's more like a 3-4-2-1, but hmm. they're very much interested in running this 3 4, this 3 4 3 situation with either they rotate between having two wide, two wider wings or two uh two midfielders with overlapping backs, kind of like we were doing back in. So it's gonna be interesting how they approach us. Uh, but I think for sure this is a game where we need to dominate the midfield. And given the skill that we have available, where our strengths lie, our strength is not in our wing play. Our, our wing play, I think, is one of our weakest, aside from maybe a player like Masuras, I think we need to rely on our strength in our midfielders, which are the core and the backbone of this team right now. Uh, now, before we continue on that note, we have an interesting comment here from, uh, from To Saklami. Have you guys seen Kenny Lala lately? He's an Olympiacos player who plays as right back. Hope he is alive. The uh, we, second lobby, we covered this a little bit earlier. Um, the treatment with Kenny Lala is is a little bit concerning to all of us. Um, but he's one of the players that we believe was singled out by Marinaki in that uh, locker room visit, a player that maybe seemed like they didn't care as much on the field. He has that that air about him. Not, I don't want to compare it to like Fortunis, but kind of you know, just he, he doesn't, you don't see that aggression in him, you know, like a Taquino or some of our other players, uh, Kunde even. So uh, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, I know, I, th- I think it was Lambro that in a previous episode predicted that Lala's probably out the door um, in the winter. Uh, if things don't change, I could see that being the case. I'm
1: so disappointed with this because I wanted him to succeed. We all did. We we all wanted Lala to succeed because on paper he has he has the the, the capabilities to be a great right back for this 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 team. He's played at a high level. You know, he came to us yep. maybe not fit the system. Obviously, he played in a very defensive system at Strasbourg, but we expected more. And over time, it's just he hasn't shown it. But at the same time, there's also I think there's an argument that he hasn't entirely given the opportunity because i looked at how many games he's played for elibia he's only played five games for us in the league
0: it's not a lot that's it
1: and, and, and that's a lot fair of those probably won't start either
0: no you know, and, and, and
1: while, while right. the performances again like the performances in europe most recently have have not been great you know that that's not debatable but i think that the, there is a caveat to the to that where has there is still a part of me that wonders if he has been given the opportunity and I uh, pardon me doesn't think he has, but then also, this was always going to be a fairly low risk uh transfer for us because of how cheap we got him for. We got him for like 600k, which is nothing yeah. for a player of his apparent quality. So, if we were to sell him, or if we were to you know do the typical Marinaki sort of contract, cancel, go on a free transfer, goodbye sort of thing, it's not a huge loss, maybe wage wise it might be, but yeah, I, I hope he turns it around. But it's every with every week he doesn't play and is not even on the bench or and whatnot. It's starting to become a bit more bleak and apparent as to what the club are gonna in terms of the direction they're gonna take with Lala, and that's that's yeah. just a shame. That's a shame because he's a good enough player to play for us, but it's just not worked out as for, from this point. And I hope it changes.
0: I I, I do agree with you there. I think uh, what the I'll, I'll say the. Opinion that the opinions that I've seen on social media, uh, various also Greek outlets, is that um, he was given enough of a chance over the summer. Uh, you know, he did play. He did start, I think, uh, both games against uh, Nefchi Baku. Um, he started uh, or no, he started one game against Nefchi. He had uh, the start in the first leg against Ludogorets. He also started both legs against Slovan Bratislava. And a lot of those performances, most people uh, were not – we'll say they weren't impressed uh, with those performances. And I think that's where that's coming from. So, uh, look, I also hope for the best for him because uh, I, I still think he has something to offer. I think he came in and it was difficult. He didn't gel with the team quite as well as maybe we hoped uh Oleg has done a much better job of assimilating and he's become a very important part of our offense going forward not to mention he's just i mean Oleg is is crazy I don't know I forgot who said it in our group chat um with the with the other bloggers but uh I mean he someone said that Oleg has like pistons for legs yeah uh, I remember that I remember someone saying creeper. that
1: it's true though like he's 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 like the complete opposite, as you say. He he came in yeah. in the first few weeks. He was in the team, obviously, uh, and it was just no justification. Obviously, there's some areas of his game that he's had to improve, as we have yeah. expressed before, and he's started to improve on those things. So he's becoming a more complete player now. And yeah. even even the likes of Karbovnik, who you know, he came in as a as a backup left back, and he's not only done more than Lala, he's done more than what. um Oh, who came in last season? Who was so bad? But and we, I've forgotten his name already. Who's the left back? From Wolves? No, from Wolves.
0: Oh, Vinagre.
1: Uh, yeah, that's it. He's done more than Vinagre. <laughs> like yeah, in, like he did more than Vinagre in half a game than Vinagre did his entire time in Bira. So fair play to and fair play to Karbavnik. Like he's not the finished article by any means either. And He like um like I, like Baby Kamara, gets tired fairly quickly because he's also very young. He's only twenty. But yeah. he he's doing he's offering a lot more than Lala has, if I'm honest. And so and same with any previous fullback we've got since we got re- since we lost um Dimigas and uh Labdalawi.
0: Yep. Uh no and Garbovnik he looks good. I mean, we knew coming in, I mean, the the stuff that was being told. I mean, when I watched him play in the deep dive, the Polish journalists that Brighton um uh, uh the the Brighton journalist that we spoke to, is, everybody spoke very highly of him and his technical ability. Uh, the, the concern, obviously, was he's just kind of small and not very physical. But uh, I saw great things when he played as a midfielder for Leo Warsaw. And there was one point in the game where Karbovnik gets the ball and he uh, there's a player in front of him. He takes the space in the middle. And you got to see a little bit of what he can offer in that midfield because he took that space and when he took the space, oh man, it was like the world was his oyster there. Uh, he was he was ready to, to distribute the ball, get, get it back. Uh, obviously the play then developed after he played the ball, but I mean he looked like he was home when he had the ball going into the midfield. Uh, so I'm excited about Karbovnik. I don't it's unfortunate because we're never paying 8 million. I don't think for a player, oh, I was going to as- say,
1: there's no way yeah. we're paying eight, like the fee. The, the, it's not obviously yeah. as, as big as what, uh, as what Vinagre's was, but right. we're still not paying about around eight mil for him, which is yeah. a shame. That's like the one sad thing about him. He's going to have probably have a good season with us, but yep, he'll go back to Brighton and he'll, he'll probably get more minutes of Brighton after the performances he's had. And if he continues on his progression,
0: I think so too. I think uh, you're hundred percent. Right. Uh, I, I swear to God, somebody even said this before uh in our group chat. Lex. Yes, someone uh, Lex say is saying well. Oleg oh, might be the left I've heard this, I've read this. Like everyone seems to be saying the same yeah. thing. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I do I do love it. I do love it. Um uh Steven, we actually have kind of neglected a little bit in this discussion our defense. Uh, we did touch briefly on like the wingbacks today, mm. but we didn't really address the center backs, Cisse and Socrates. Um, do you think they're going to be the starters for the game against Fenerbahce?
1: I think they almost have to be at this point because obviously Semedo is going to be slowly reintegrated, but he can't be part of the Euro- European squad unless there's a massive injury crisis in center back or we get through to the next round of, Insert European competition here, and, and we can then relist him. So it has to be, I'm afraid, because Bar isn't showing enough for me right now, and I think his attitude isn't great. Cisse, I know he's still had one or two. He's had a, a, one or two mishaps in the last couple of games where you think, oh, like, he, he put he put kind of Vashlikin in an awkward position a couple times, but he's not. But his energy and like his his attitude is so much more positive than Barr right now. I just think he he has to start. Even though he lacks the ball playing of Semedo, I, I just think it's it's the only two that I think it will logically work in, in, in this situation. Because Sokratis as well, I, I think he's just been consistent for me. He's consistently solid, consistently a, a great leader at the back. Um, so while, while I would prefer Semedo to be there, as just based on his you know, his technique and what he can do despite his performances prior to him being annexed from the team for a period due to what's happened uh, out, outside of football. It has to be Cissé and, and um, Socrates for me.
0: I am right there with you, I think. They're the ones that are developing the chemistry. But I want to diverge here. On, you brought up mm-hmm. the attitude with Ba, the issues with Ba. Um this is the second game in a row where we've looked at the bench and we've seen Ba with headphones on. He's had headphones on, listening to music on Listen the listening
1: to the Gate Seven International Podcast, man. Like maybe you, you know, maybe, like, maybe
0: <laughs> he is, but you know, even if he is listening to uh, a, a lovely edition of the Gate Seven International podcast, does that bother you at all? Does this bother you seeing a player on the bench with headphones? Because I'm gonna be honest with you. When I was playing. At any level, whether I was playing, uh, you know, in the Olympic development program for my Region One team, uh, for my high school team, if any one of us was caught doing that, if any one of us had headphones in on the bench and we weren't listening, or you know, w- that would have been oh, I can't imagine how many laps I would have had to run, or what I would have had to do after the game, push-ups, you name it. So, what do you what do you make of that? I mean, is this just is this just one of those things? He's a player, maybe that's his process, and he's done this this whole time. We're just noticing it now, or is this something concerning for you?
1: I think it could be of two things. It's such a minute thing, but at the same time, I think it's a very important thing that you brought up. I think on the one hand, it could be like you said it it could be just a way how he keeps himself in a, a like a positive mental state before going into a game. That's that's something that some people do do before they do anything intense, whether it be a football match or anything else in their life. Um, but on the other hand, you do need to be in that space and in that sort of in that place to keep watching the game. Cause I know if if I go and see a football match, I don't want to be sitting on with my headphones and it's different because I won't be playing, but it's still like you want to be watching the game and seeing what's going on. So that if you are brought on, you know what your job is completely, you know what has to be done. You're you're in you're focused in that one moment so i think it's it's hard because it you don't really know what's going on in Barr's head uh, so it could be taken completely the wrong way or it it is what it shows on the pay, on on the pitch and, and on the bench that he doesn't care and some people might read into that
0: either way that's how – I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's how I read it. I don't like it. That's a bad look for me. I've been concerned a little bit with Ba's attitude issues for a little bit while now, while now and I know a lot of other people have. And to me, this just kind of furthers the – you know what I mean? It's like a, a pouty child. He's not playing, and he doesn't really care about being there. Uh, he had you know, his chance.
1: He had his – he was he next did. to Samedo for the first half of the season. And sure, like Socrates yep. came in, and he wasn't always a guaranteed star after that, but he was still showing – Signs of he's part of the team, he's a great third option. When Cisse was sent out on loan, and then it all unraveled with the more like we so slowly over the towards the latter stage of the season, we saw is kind of the impatience, the attitude start to become a lot more negative on the game. And then it all culminated in that sending off against Arsenal, which obviously the game was done, but then that really made the game done after that, you know, it really put us out yep. of the tide with him being sent off. And then it happened again, um, in Europe, in Europe this season. You know, in an important yeah. game where we were trying to get back into a tie, and eventually we went out to Ludogorets, which was in, which was not what we wanted to see.
0: So yep. the second leg, let, he got the red. He got the red in the second leg, which screwed us exactly,
1: exactly. And and so it's stuff like that where he is, he has what it takes to play for this club, but then he has to sort out his attitude. We but we've been saying that for months, and he hasn't sorted out his attitude. Whereas you have a player like Markovic who could take his role so easily and do a much more professional job, in my opinion. If you want me to, if I'm if, if am I, am I completely honest, with the centre-backs we have available right now, excluding Somedo currently, obviously, because he's not back in the team, Markovic would be the third choice for me. Uh, you know, if I was the manager, I would pick Mark- Markovic to come on over Bar right now based on his attitude, based on his performances, which have been a lot more positive, and he's shown me a lot more consistency in his mixture of being able to be on the pitch, be in that moment and be uh, like a, a better attitude and influence on the rest of the team. Yep. He showed and a lot actually, more maturity as well. It's about, it's all about maturity. Yep.
0: No, it is, it is, it is. And that's the annoying thing because what made a lot of us fall in love with Ba in that, uh, in that uh, second season, I'll say was how he went from being this player. We got there like, Oh my God, a preseason. We thought he was garbage. And all of a sudden he won us over and we considered him the most improved player in the season with how he was playing. And then we saw what happened last year, but you know what? He was working hard. He was doing things. We thought the Arsenal game was, you know what? It happened. He was crying, but then he never learned Mm -hmm. from that mistake. He never learned from it. And those, his head got a a little bit above himself. He made those comments that he was ready to play in the premier league, things like that. Uh, that he won everything there is to win in Greece. And I'm sorry, look, you were get you're getting good, but you're not there yet. And yeah. I wanna see, I want to see that hardworking Bob back. I want to see that player come back that had an axe to grind, putting the work in and showing it on the field. That's what I want to see. He does that, he becomes the number one center back for us again. Uh on the Markovich thing, that bothered me. I was really annoyed mm-hmm. that we saw Avram playing and not you know and that mark you know the spot was relinquished uh and markovic doesn't get a spot in the roster because of avram that bothers me a lot because that's the wrong I, I mentality cuz look uh,
1: yeah. avram is going to be a great influence on the squad as a whole in training yes. and, and such and you know he he knows the club inside out he's been there for years etc cetera, etc cetera. but is he going to deliver every single week at his age no I mean, it's because he scored that great header against against Aris in the friendly. <laughs> maybe that's one of the fourth like centre back role. I don't know. Yep. Um, but yeah, that that too. Because I I do think Avram should really just be the sort of fifth choice, maybe playing the cup against a second tier side or a lower Super League side. And then we have or uh, like next to Markovic or Bar, whatever, if at all. And then Markovic is the definite right. You're playing consistently in the league. Maybe yep. come in for a cameo in Europe, depending on the result or where, where the game's going. That's that's yep. kind of what I would like to see more. Martins, as we know, is hard to impress, hard to sort of change his tune with players and where they play and how often they play. And Markovic just has to, I guess, do more of what he's doing in training. And hopefully he gets a chance. It's difficult under Martins, who's very rigid in
0: in who he likes to play. Yep, you are one hundred percent right about that, Stephen. Well, we're coming up on about an hour here uh, since we started. Uh, it's about time we get into it. Man of the match, coaches grade. Stephen, go ahead, give us your man of the match and give your grade for Martinez.
1: Man of the match is probably Tarkinio for me again. Like he he got the goal, was great in terms of the attack in general. I can't really think of anyone else who would get it over him. Like. Maybe Masuras is in in the in light for it as well, yeah I think I think for me it's tequino, I'll give it to tequino uh
0: yeah, tequino even could have had a second goal, yeah, um, when he had the ball right in right in front, but he took that little extra touch instead of maybe taking the shot and the and the Aceres defender closed him down a little bit um i just to be different, I'm actually going to give it to madi, uh Mari did play the ball in. Uh, for you know that the initial ball that led to the goal, he mm. had a couple of decent plays as well following that. Um, so uh, and I also have midfield bias, so everyone knows that. Of I just I accept it. I I'm very honest about it. It's and just I a shame
1: it. isn't there because I would just give it to Fortuna
0: just for being oh yeah He's, absolutely there, <laughs> of course I usually that was uh that was definitely who probably I would have given it to as well. So and what's your coach's grade for Martins?
1: It's again the game was just one by half time. It they like, didn't really threaten us in the second half and I guess there were people there were players I would like to have seen come on like we said with Markovic and just it's it's really a weird one for me. I think I guess I'm going to give him an A because it wasn't perfect, like it wasn't A plus, A star, whichever you want to go by. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do much to upset me, Martins, and he set the team up how I wanted more or less. Like you said Lagis may have got a rest, but uh, yeah, it's it's an A for me. I, I can't really see anything bad or, or better than what I what I did see today.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree either. I think uh, you know, it was an, it, it was a comfortable win. I never felt really uneasy with this game. Um mm. I, I liked I liked seeing even though I wasn't a fan of Masuda's playing in that central role, I did like to see the switch. I saw, you know, he made the adjustment. He's always really good usually with game script and and managing the game. Um I was okay, mm. you know, with him kind of locking it up in the second half just to secure the 2-0 win uh with some of the substitutions he made. Um, I, I kind of wish maybe, you know, a guy like Surlis got a run. Uh, but you know, yeah, no, it's okay. I can't do that for sure. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I can't, um, we, we could, there's only so much that we can, you know, uh, pick apart. So I, it's going to be an A for me as well. And then before we sign off here, Stephen, we did get an interesting question from Fetano. Guys, who will we start up top against Fenerbahce, Red Hot Taquino or good old reliable El Arabi? Uh, Steven, what do you think?
1: It's a good headache for Martins to have because El Arabi yep. scored against Antwerp, but yep is in better form. So as long as he doesn't start both, I'll be fine. <laughs> like, the, 4-4-2, no, no, no. Just anything with two strikers, no thank you. But um, oh, it's so difficult. I mean, he gave El Arabi the rest this week. like He rested him and brought him on in this game. I can't remember if he even brought him on midweek. Midweek feels like a million years ago. I'm not gonna be biased really and just did. go El. Arabi? I'm, I'm gonna be biased and just say even though taquino's done great, I probably El Arabi for me. Like because in Europe ah, oh, it's so difficult. I'm gonna fine. I'm gonna say El Arabi even if I'm wrong. I'm gonna say El Arabi.
0: So, I if it were me, I would be starting Tequino. I always yeah. prefer to play the hot hand, whoever. But I think Pedro Martinez is going to start. El yeah, Arabi.
1: that's maybe that's who I think he's gonna. I that's maybe that was my mentality and choosing him. It was like, that's who I think you'll pick rather than yes. who I want to see. Exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. Exactly. Um, well, uh, thank you everybody for listening, especially if you made it this far. Uh, guys, like I said, we're trying to get this community as big as we can. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, all of our channels. Let's try and get this community big and thumping before this game against Fenerbahce. Let's get that Turkish crowd Let's get them a little bit scared with what we, you know, bringing this community together, chanting for Libyakos, supporting Libyakos. Let's do what we can in the positions we're in to help Olympiacos. Uh going into this game. I know maybe we're not expecting much, but we still want to support this club. We still want to do everything that we can to bring everybody together that we can. So continue to help us bring all of the Oliviacos fans from around the world to make this bigger and bigger and bigger. Again, thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. We're going to be having some uh, pre-match coming up as well. Uh, we're going to be getting uh, a look from a Fenerbahce expert uh, or, and or writer as well uh, to get a better look at what the team is going to maybe line up as and what we can expect. So until next time, guys, this is the Gate 7 International Podcast.
1: You just listened to an episode of the Gate7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olibiagos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olibiagos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7intl Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Thrilos ise, s'to mialo kati magiko.